You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, familia. This is Manny Recinos, and I am so happy to be back with you here on the Realtor Rundown. And today we have the privilege of sitting down with one of the ARA MVPs, Mr. Reggie McCrary. And uh, he is the chief executive officer here at the Atlanta Realtor Association. Welcome, Reggie. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And MVP, that's a compliment. I'll take it. <laughs> listen, listen, uh, this is the man that you have seen walking around. He's he's creeping in corners during orientation. He's listening <laughs> in to the information that's being given and, uh, and fact-checking us as we go along. Um, and that is actually one of the reasons uh, that I wanted to sit down with you, Reggie, is because so many times, you know, we are part of this association uh, and we are just learning things as we go along. I've now been part for over five years, you know, here with the Atlanta Realtors. Um, And really, apart from the fact that we were founded, you know, in 1910, and we've been around for about 112 years, you know, there's a lot of the history that I don't know. Um, And you have been a resource in the past, you're someone that people come to with questions. So I wanted to sit down and see if you can share some of that history, and we can dig into uh, things that have changed, you know, and and things that are very interesting uh, to learn about our past, so we know how to move forward in the future, right? Sure. Absolutely. All right. So I want to start with a very basic kind of intro. Uh, I would love to know how long you've been with the Atlanta Realtors Association and how you became involved. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Let's first thank you for what you're doing. Uh, man, you've done a tremendous job with this whole podcast setup and you're active uh, through the five years and what you've done and congrats on all the awards you're getting now and all the recognition. So really do appreciate that. And um, that's kind of that's kind of an idea of like why you get involved in this and why we like our jobs the way we the way we do is because of all the members that are there. Yeah. It's working with all the members. So uh, so yeah, I got started uh, back in the association in 1988, believe it or not. So I was straight out of college and I was a typical college grad. You got your degree and you're trying to find a job and you don't know what you want to do in your life and uh, you just start looking for opportunities. And uh, I interviewed with. Uh, Tommy Jackson, who was the executive vice president at the time, and uh, she uh, fortunately saw something in me and decided to give me a, give me the try. So I started out in the accounting department. So I had a accounting degree at the University of Alabama, and um, they asked me if I knew how to run a network. And what do you say as a college kid looking for a job? You say absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I know exactly what it is, and the network consisted of. One computer sitting on a desk, and then a wire was running to another computer sitting on another desk, and that was considered our network at the time. So uh, that's kind of where I got started back in 1988. Wow, um, we've come a long way since. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, that was quite interesting back then. That's amazing. No wonder. I mean, such a wealth of knowledge since you've been here since college. That since you graduated from college, yeah. that's amazing. Don't know what else to do now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're stuck with us now. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, your passion for the organization is very obvious. People see it, uh, you know, even from um, uh, emerging leaders that go through kind of that intro uh, class with you. They come out with, with such knowledge and, and an understanding. So I got to ask, what about the organization's history and background makes you so passionate about it? 
Well, you just referenced the uh, Emerging Leaders Program, and you know that's that's kind of an idea there as well. As as we started that program back in, gosh, I want to say 2001 was probably our first year that we ever did it. 2001, 2002 and uh, started that program and it was a way it was kind of our version of a leadership program for uh, trying to grow new leaders in the organization trying to get m- more people involved in that and uh, w- you know we started that and then the program that you just referenced that we do at the beginning of that is all talking about if we want to establish leaders and we want to get people involved in the organization they got to know the history first and so we talk a lot about what Atlanta's done and when you ask me what i like about it it's like it's it's all the first that we have in our history uh, you sit there and you're very proud of that when you start looking back at things and what we've accomplished as an organization and, and why we want to, uh, you know, why we want to look back at that and see and celebrate those accomplishments. So, um, you know, when I, when I first started, I didn't know what I was getting into. My mom had her license. She's, she's a realtor. She's past president of a, a local association here in the metro Atlanta area. And I didn't really know what it was. I just knew when my mom got her license and I was a little kid and she said, hey, when I get a closing, I'm going to give you $10. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so I'd ask her every day, do you have a closing? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so I didn't really know. But when you get involved in it, um, you know, we're an organization now that has, we hit over 14,000 members this year. Wow. And so we get the opportunity on the staff side of this to work with all these great leaders. I mean, you get to work with the people on the emerging leader side that are just fresh and starting out. And then you also obviously are working with our past presidents who have done some tremendous things. So just getting to know all the people, getting to build those relationships, getting to work with the quality of people that we've got the opportunity to, that's kind of what's driving it the whole time yeah. is, um, is just the people. It's, it's that side of it. Uh, you never know, <clears throat> excuse me, you never know from year to year what you're going to get as far as personalities you know what you know who the president's going to be and in their personality versus the next year your committee chairs your volunteers um so you know i just look at it and i've told this people you know over and over again that i feel like my job is i don't really call it a job but my my position is it's a lifelong leadership course because every year you're working with different leaders and different qualities and what you try to do is you try to look at what made them successful to put them in this position like, what did they do? Like, what what did you do to put yourself here in this position of being our experts on the podcast? You look at what everybody's trying to do, and you try to figure out, what can I do to emulate that? What can I do to add that to my repertoire of things that I can do and see if I can do it? Obviously, not as well, but you just want to look at what the, the traits are of every person that's coming through. And so I look at it that way. It's like, what, what did all the leaders do, and how did they get to be the president, or how did they get to be the chair, or whatever position they're in and see, you know, what, what can I take from that? What can we add on to it? So that's kind of what I love about it. I, you know, that's amazing. I had not thought of it in that way, as far as the transition of people that you have seen, the, the amount of leaders, like you said, and I didn't know there was a little real estate in your blood already. So my sister's got her license as well. So there, 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 you know, a little bit about our crazy (laughs) (laughs) and we definitely can uh, find ways to keep it exciting for you. I'm sure throughout the years. Um, so yeah, so you see the growth in, in people, you see kind of how, how, uh, different leadership styles evolve and that kind of thing. What about, um, kind of some events? I mean, if, if we're going, you know, 
through a timeline here. I know this is a, a very big loaded yeah. question, but since 1910, what's happened? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but really, I mean, yeah, we've got like a, what's our emerging leaders program? It's like an hour long session exactly. about all this about the history. So <laughs> no, um, we won't we won't put everyone through through the whole class. You got to become an emerging leader to uh, <laughs> to sit through that. But uh, but no, I would love to hear kind of um, what some of the most significant events that you think have shaped ARA and the organization um, to what it is today. Sure, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll try to, I guess, highlight a couple of them that we talk about in the program. And and I mentioned earlier that you know Atlanta's got a lot of firsts. I'm really proud of that and proud of our history from that standpoint. But you referenced the fact that we started in 1910. We actually got our charter from NAR in 1911, but we celebrated 1910 is when we started. Um, we actually preceded the state mm-hmm. association, so GAR didn't exist at that time. We preceded the real estate commission. So an interesting fact in all of this, when we start talking about things, is like, why did we create a code of ethics for the organization? You know, why does why is that important to us? Yeah. Well, back when it was created, there was no such thing as license law. So there were no standards at all in the industry in any way, shape, or form. Wow. So you look at the members at that point in time that created the organization determined they needed to create some standards. They had to figure out some framework that they could all agree to work inside of and agree to cooperate in some way. And that was where they came up with the Code of Ethics. It was the wild, wild so west. It was. <laughs> it, I mean, of course, we weren't all there then, but, I mean, yeah. that was that was it. It was There was no standard whatsoever, no contracts, no nothing. It was wow. just all, you know, crazy. So they created the code to try to figure out how we're going to be able to work each other and trust each other. We're going to treat each other fairly from that standpoint. Um, so that was a big one back in 1913 when that got created uh, nationwide. And then, you know, if you want to look at some of the important things, you know, Atlanta's done as far as the association is concerned is, you know, the Real Estate Commission. It took the realtors getting involved, going to the state assembly and saying, hey, we've got to create license law. We've got to have something. And so the realtors were instrumental in getting the Real Estate Commission started, getting it created, and building it from there to the point that where it is today. You know, you've got licensing aspects of it. Uh, the testing aspect when you you know the real estate commission first got started and actually I when I first started there was a gentleman that I met who had a four-digit license number maybe even three digits I can't remember. it was oh, he wow. had one of the original licenses he was, oh, was an older man. gentleman <laughs> but he talked about you know his version of a test was going down there and filling out a piece of paper and handing it to him and paying his fee and that was his license oh, that's wow. how he got his license um, so you look at things like that and how far we've come from that to where we are now and it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as license law, if we just stick on that one topic, um, you know, 1980 is is kind of a significant time frame in real estate in, in Georgia because that was when continuing education went into effect. Mm. So prior to that, you got your license and you didn't have to do anything for the rest of your career. You just continued to practice. You didn't do anything. Wow. So for years during the 70s, the realtors were trying to get requirements put in like ed- extra education to make sure that people stayed in and stayed active and knew what they were doing. Um, but they couldn't get it through the general assembly. They couldn't get it passed. Wow. They couldn't get a bill passed to implement this. And the reason why is we had so many of our elected officials that were voting on this that had real estate licenses and they didn't want to take, they didn't want to be required <laughs> to take CE. Oh, wow. Well, so yep. they could block it because of the position that they were elected to. So the only way it got through was they added the grandfather clause to it, okay. which meant that if you got your license prior to 1980, you didn't have to take any continuing education. 
Sounds like I just missed so, it. Yeah, so start, <laughs> start in January 1st. And you can know this by looking at every single license number. If it's a six-digit number, if it starts at 100000 or greater, that's somebody who got their license after 1980. Ah, look at that. And so they have, you know, they've got, uh, they've got the CE requirements in place. A little something so, to look out for when you're, uh, you know, doing a contract with someone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and that's, that's again, mind-blowing, right, to, uh, to the modern age of real estate, right? Because we have to keep educating ourselves. Yep. We have to stay, you know, uh, up to the, to the latest as far as contracts yeah. and what we're, what we're putting our clients through. So that's, it's pretty mind-blowing to hear that there was a time, right, when you look back where that wasn't required. And the fact that you had individuals that said, this is perfect the way it is. I want to live in a world where I don't have to do that CE credit and knowing that that's, that was a hurdle. That's, right. wow. And you'll see most people, I mean, by now we're, what, 42 years after that time period, you'll see people that still have licenses prior to 1980, but most of them that I know that are involved yeah. still are, they're doing their classes. Of they're, course, they're doing of everything because they know they need it. Yeah. Absolutely. Plus, mm -hmm. you know, it usually comes with a free lunch, so we love that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to yeah. love that. Um, wow, that's amazing. Any other kind of astonishing yeah. or, or facts that you think would surprise us about our history? Maybe um, lessons that we have learned or, you know, not not every history is, is a perfect, you know, beautiful bow. I mean, there yeah. are a lot of things when you look at, I mean, the history of a country, the history of organizations that have been around like this. Um, for over a hundred years, what kind of stands out to you in, uh, as far as accomplishments and, um, you know, things that we've overcome? Well, let, let's stay on the positive side first and then yeah. we'll kind of go into that. So the positive part, some of the things I'm, I keep mentioning Atlanta being a first is, um, well, I, look, here's an interesting tidbit. Here's, this is something, so I learned a lot. So I, I mentioned Tommy Jackson hired me and Tommy was the EVP at the time and she retired in 1993 and she had been the – started off as secretary and ended up as executive vice president. She'd been here 53 and a half years. Okay. So I was, I was hired by a legend. I mean, she yeah. won the national award as the top AE in the whole country wow. in 93 when she was retiring. So a phenomenal person. But I learned a lot of the history through her. She would just tell stories. Uh, I mean, for example, we were driving through Buckhead going to a meeting one day, and she just looked at me and said, oh, I named that street. Oh, my. And it was one of those things you had heard so many things out of her about all the history and everything you've done. And it was kind of one of those things you just go, wait, what? What did you, you name? What do you mean you named that street? And she could tell you about developers that were coming out and they would have to go take their plans and take them to the city. And of course, you, if you're developing and building a neighborhood, you've got to have streets and you got to have street names. Yeah. And so people had come to her and said, hey, Tommy, I got, you know, help me name these streets. And she would sit down and help them with name the streets and, there we go. So just little things like that. But, yeah, that's amazing. But one of the cool stories that I just didn't even realize at the time was because, I mean, we had appraisers. I mean, you've got appraisal licensing that's going on now. The association and Tommy used to do all the appraisals in the city. Oh. She was, the association was the appraiser. If wow. they needed an appraisal done on a property, they would come to the association and turn in, and she would do the appraisal. And I remember we moved into the building that we're in right now. I remember cleaning out the storage closet that we had, and there was, you know, appraisals from like 1940s and 1950s. And wow, oh, it was crazy, you know, stuff like that. But, that is an institution but that's, right there. Yeah, that was that was kind of a, a cool thing. Of course, they stopped doing it when more and more people started getting into that profession as their full time career. Yeah, getting into being an appraiser, it and you, you know, it's changed and evolved today. Um, 
But, you know, Atlanta, we talked about first, Atlanta was the very first organization to create the sales awards. So we created the Million Dollar Club back in the 50s. Yeah. Um, came out, that, that became something that took off nationwide, um, recognizing people. We, we created it and awarded our first um, members back in 1959. So that's kind of how old the Million Dollar Club is now called Top Producers, but that's how old yeah. that is. And believe it or not, we had 12 people back in 1959 that, that produced more than a million dollars in business. Wow. Which, I mean, think about it. Yeah, that, that is. That's a lot of transactions back then. Of course, most of it was doing some commercial properties. Yeah. Um, but um, but one of the gentlemen, we, we kind of, this is one of our cool things in history, was one of the gentlemen that was one of our first uh, recipients of the Million Dollar Club recognition was named by uh, Sam Massell. Mm-hmm. Sam ended up being <clears throat> eventually mayor of Atlanta. Oh, well. And then he, he's the gentleman that everybody kind of for the last 20, 30 years of his life was kind of the unofficial mayor of Bucket. I mean, he was just an instrumental figure in the, in the city. Um, but a lot of people didn't know later on in his life that he was involved in real estate first and was part of our first group in the Million Dollar Club. So that's kind of a cool thing there. Yeah, it goes to um, show how, how big that reach is when you're a realtor and you're part of that community. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was that was kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> some you other mentioned events. commercial, actually. Yeah. So so yeah. So we've you know another first for Atlanta was back back in the eighties. This is really right when I was. Um, they had talked about it a lot when I was getting hired, but uh, we were in the process of creating a separate. Everybody was kind of coming up with names, whether it was going to be a committee, a chapter, a council, whatever it was going to be. So what we ended up doing in the 80s was we separated out our commercial and residential members and created what we called two societies all inside the association. Mm -hmm. So we had a commercial society, and and we elected a president for that, and we had a residential society, and we elected a president for that. And the reason we did it inside the umbrella of the association is because the National Association of Realtors had some requirements in place, and back then – you had to join the association wherever your office was located. Wow. So you couldn't just join any association. Yeah. So if you had an office in, let's say, Cobb County, you had to join the Cobb Association first. And if you also wanted to be part of Atlanta, let's say you were a commercial member and you want to do that, you had to join a secondary. So it cost you more. Yeah. So we created the Commercial Society, and then we started lobbying the National Association about some changes that could take place. And eventually, NAR did change their guidelines and uh, allowed for what they called a commercial overlay board. And so we applied because we were instrumental in getting the language developed. And my very first national convention that I ever attended, we got to walk to the stage because Atlanta was the very first, got the charter for the very first commercial overlay board in the whole country. Wow. And so that was my, you know, my first experience going to a national convention. And, you know, there's a thousand people on the board of directors and you're looking at this and Atlanta is highlighted yeah. from the stage by the president of the association it was really kind of a cool experience for me. So, I mean, that kind of, that kind of brought me in and made me really proud there. For yeah. What we were doing. I mean, that's, that's direct results out of the work and, and the research. And like you said, you had to work on, on wording and all of that and, and the mm-hmm. language of uh, creating this. So, I mean, and that's very important because, there are, you know, when people think real estate, they usually kind of go straight to the residential realtor. And, exactly. And I have conversations with so many commercial realtors that want to make sure, I, can, I can't imagine not even having, you know, that sector of a board. So, again, come a, came a long way there. Yeah, and, and so we became, you know, at that point in time, we kind of became the model. Mm-hmm. Uh, we created it, and so we split off, and the association at that point in time, we, you know, it was called the Atlanta Board of Realtors back then, but we split off 
30% of the entire membership then. Wow. And so we started the organization with about 900 to 1,000 people was what our commercial association was then. And, and now we're, we're the largest, obviously the oldest, because <laughs> we were the first. Um, yeah. You know, we call it the most prestigious, got the commercial association here in Atlanta, 2,500 members strong, and virtually every large firm that has a presence in Atlanta is part of the association. And it's not only just a part, but they're on the board of directors. Wow. The representative, the leaders of their organizations are there. So that's really something we're proud of after now the history of building all of that. Wow. That's incredible, incredible. Yeah. Uh, you also mentioned, I, I love our building, right? And it's one of the staples for the Atlanta Realtors Association. Can you tell us a little bit about when that, you know, when the building came about, how it came about, how important it's been to the association? Yeah, so that was, um, again, right when I was getting started, uh, we had... Um, Back in the mid-80s, or early 80s, really, the members started talking about, we want a home. We really want to build um, a presence so that we can call something our home. Because uh, the association was originally, the first offices we had was down in the Healy Building downtown. And that's kind of, talk about it in a minute, that's come full circle there. Yeah. But we were in the Healy, Healy Building downtown because that was where a lot of the brokerages operate out of. And then we moved to Northside Drive, just north of the city, uh, back in the early 70s, and then through that time period, they were growing, and they were trying to figure out, okay, we want we want some property. And uh, they did some studies and figured out that 80% of the membership was north from Buckhead North at that time. Mm -hmm. And so they decided on Sandy Springs and started looking for some property, and that's where we, we decided on the location there. Um, so they built the building. Uh, we opened it up in, I guess, March 1st of 89 was the first day that we were in operation here. Wow. Um, and back then, when we were building it, we had all of these promises from all of these people that said, yes, we're going to rent space. We agree to do it. We're going to be, we're going to jump right in. And here's the, the dollar amounts we're talking about. So we ran all of our metrics, ran all of our numbers, and everything was great. Well, in 88, was the last good year in real estate at that point in time. And from 88 to about 91, it started dropping off. Yeah. So we move into the building, we go back to all these members that said they wanted to move in. They're like, well, I can get a better rate where I am right now. So it was it was really a tough time as mem as the economy was slowing down, membership was declining. Yeah. And we now move into this $4 million building and we were like, how do we pay for this now? Yeah. <laughs> so that got real interesting gosh yeah yeah because i and sometimes people don't even realize because as you walk in you're downstairs you come in for classes you come in for seminars yeah. uh but there's a whole upstairs area where there are offices and like you said i mean spaces that people rent out for yeah. themselves and their business so it's it's an incredible resource for sure yeah so 30 years later fast forward now yeah. we've got it's a forty thousand square foot building as you said we've got about 45 tenants in the building we're 100 occupied got a waiting list uh, we've uh, changed the ground floor, so now we started out with one classroom. Now we've really got four, yeah, uh, plus a, a smaller area that can be for a small class. So we really at five total, two major conference rooms, and so those are used by a lot of the members. Yeah, uh, you know we use them for our school, we use them for our association events, and then a lot of our real estate companies will come in and use the space as well. So it's it it served the purpose of what we wanted it to do back when they first started talking about this back in the eighties. 
Absolutely. So, and it's all full paid off. So we're, we're good. <laughs> we're debt free. That's that's a big thing. Don't uh, worry, y'all. We don't need to start. You know, a, yeah. a GoFundMe for the yeah, building. Exactly. We're good now. Yeah. We, we did back in like eighty nine, ninety. <laughs> that was a little fundraising. tough. But, but now we're in great shape. I believe it. I yeah. believe it. Well, uh, Atlanta has long been uh, a center for black wealth, higher education, political power, and culture for sure. Um, how is that shift? How, how have you seen that shift? Or you know, as knowing about the history of Atlanta. Um, how has that shift really moved forward uh, since the beginning of, of the association? Well, we talk, you know, we talk a lot about the first that we've done, um, but this is probably an area where we have not done what we needed to do. We mm-hmm. have not what I would call succeeded um, from a historical standpoint. Um, you know, if you go back into, you know, well, let's just go back a couple of years where the association decided to issue a letter of apology, and that was as a result of some decisions and policies and procedures that the association had in place 50, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, those the decisions they had at that point in time resulted in we could not have women in leadership. You couldn't have, you know, African-American members at all. Uh, so it was basically a male-dominated, white male-dominated organization. Yeah. Um, and it was a club, if you want to think about it. I mean, you had to apply and you had to have references and things like that. So, you know, from that spun off the, the Women's Council. You know, that was how that got created. Um, and it was basically nationwide. Everybody was doing the same thing. Um, and then you had, you know, NAREP got started. Um, yeah. got started here in Atlanta. Uh, so, you know, those were things that we weren't we aren't proud of. You know, if you, if you go back... One of the things that I had to go back and research that we were talking about a little bit earlier before we jumped on here was um, I had to go back and try to figure out, like, you know, who was the very first black member that we ever had in the association. And we were fortunately we had the files for this, and we went back to it and through some conversations with the Empire Board and some of our members, um, you know, we went back and I found the gentleman's application, and it was Ron Wilson back in, get this, 1972. Wow. I mean, so... You know, it seems old to us. That's 50 years ago. But that's just But it's 1972, years. not 1960, 50, 40. Yeah. It was 72. So that's something you look at and go, wow, we found this, but why did it take so long? Yeah. What, you know, what was going on back then? Yeah. Um, you know, now you want to fast forward to all of that, and it took us forever. I mean, we didn't have our first female president until 1976. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, think about that. We were founded in 1910, so we didn't have any 76. Now, even more of an embarrassment, we didn't have our first black president until 2015. Wow. So we were over 100 years old at the time. Yeah. And that was Ennis Antoine, a man that I dearly love and respect tremendously. Yes. Another and, staple uh, in our community yeah, and absolutely. here at the association. And then when we can celebrate and everybody just, you know, we've, we've had the annual meeting now and recognized our, you know, 22 folks and Karen Hatcher, who is our first, you know, I, I hate classification on this, but cause she's just a phenomenal person overall, but you know, people are going to refer to her. She was our first female black president that we had. Yeah. Um, but Karen, you know, you can't put any labels on her and you can't put any labels on Ennis. I mean, they're just phenomenal people. And absolutely. I mean, unbelievable minds and thought process and what they've added to the association is is you, you can't even put it in words. Yeah. But I mean, you know, as a younger 
five years into the industry member, uh, it is incredible to sit in a meeting and hear. I was there when she was installed and to hear those words, you know, she's very proud of that, I know. And, mm -hmm. and she repeats it because it's astonishing to hear first black female president right. in over a hundred and what do we say? A hundred and twenty twelve years. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's incredible that, that we're still having those firsts, but that is history. And that's why I wanted this conversation because we have to, everyone makes mistakes, right? We yeah. hear that associations have a long history like this and, and you have to look at those those things that were problematic, that were issues. I remember when um, Cynthia Lippert presented that letter mm -hmm. and I, you know, in some circles it was controversial. You heard kind of why is it happening? And, but really, I mean, there were past actions and discriminatory practices that prevented black realtors, as you mentioned, and clients from purchasing, you know, property. And it's, that's a basic, a basic fact that we are now overcoming and we're realizing and we're moving forward and that creates spaces for all these other diversity organizations yeah. that, you know, uh, and you can you can look them up. They're recognized by the National Association of Realtors, some of which you mentioned, um, but we're moving into a lot of those spaces that were denied uh, a lot of that, a lot of that, uh, that privilege. And, and it's amazing to see how far we've come. Yeah. And if you want to be, you know, like me, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm always proud of where I work and what we do and everything about it. And I look at Atlanta, and I'm so proud of this. When I start going to national meetings is, is you look at what we've done over the last couple of years now, um, and the whole idea is, you know, you know that diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that is going in every corporation all over the country. And, you know, everybody throws around the DEI, but the inclusion part of it is really what we've kind of focused on in the association is just making sure we can get as many people involved, yeah. making sure that everybody's welcome because, you know, everybody pays the same amount of dues. Everybody has their same licensing aspect. Everybody's the exact same. Yeah. Bring everybody in. And we've done a tremendous job of that over the last couple of years when we've actually hired, uh, we have an employee that's now focused on that. You mentioned some of the, uh, affiliated organizations that we're now trying to partner up with. We've had mm -hmm. loose relationships with these groups over all the historical years that we've had here, but we've never had any anything that's been very formal, and there's never been any ongoing dialogue between it. And now we have that in place where we have five multicultural organizations that we've signed partnerships with. The presidents of those organizations now serve on the board of directors for the Atlanta Realtors. Uh, obviously, they are all joining the association and becoming involved. And that's something I'm really proud of is taking that next step. And I say that from a standpoint of around the country. There are a lot of people who have talked about this, but they haven't actually done things. So now I go back to when we created the commercial board, we were getting phone calls around the country from everybody saying, how would you do this? What did you do? Yeah. Now we're getting the same type of phone calls to Gilly, who's um, on our team now that's helping us with this. She's getting calls from people all over the country like, can you help us get the same type of thing established in our area? Mm -hmm. So Atlanta, once again, is setting the standard. Yeah. You know, yeah. Something that you really is, want to be proud of. Yeah. You know? And she's uh, the director of community engagement and diversity. And, and that just brings it full circle. You mm -hmm. know, as we talked about, there are these there are these uh, bleeps in, in the history that that we go, OK, that was wrong. And then here we are current 2022 now instating a director of community engagement and diversity. And that's a big step. And like you said, people will look at us as that trailblazer. Mm -hmm. And that is that is a, a sense of pride there for sure. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, we mentioned some amazing people already, some past presidents, but uh, with such a rich history, are there any past leaders of the organization that maybe we haven't mentioned that stand out to you? <laughs> 
You're going to make me single out a single president. I wasn't going to say good or bad, but yeah, you know. yeah. Um, well, I can't, I can't start. I can't answer that question without talking about Tommy Jackson first. I've already referenced her in this. Yeah. Um, Tommy was, as I referenced earlier, was the executive vice president. And she was basically my mentor. She hired me in when I started in 88 and, um, my first day when I walk in the door, I looked at this lady and she said, young man, I just want to tell you, I started 48 years ago today. Oh, wow. And I was like, Ooh, I felt so small <laughs> at that point. But, uh, I got the opportunity of working with her for about five and a half years before she retired. And then after that, she was still active in the industry and would call me and say, young man, you know, I'm just trying to look out for you and I'm trying to protect you. And yeah. she would help me out with things. So that was, you know, that was where any conversation about historical influence in the organization's kind of started with Tom. And of course, you know, the building is named after her. She was such a legacy. So that's yeah. phenomenal there. But um, some others, I mean, we've had such a rich history. Uh, we've got the conference room is named after Frank Carter. He was a prominent commercial uh, member, helped develop a bunch of Atlanta. I won't, if I remember correctly, it was like Lennox and Phipps Plaza. I mean, he was the developer for all of that. So wow. he, he had a rich history there. Um, but one, one person I do know personally, it was kind of a cool story, is uh, Carl Schultz. And that's a name that most people don't know. Um, it's probably something to surprise nobody even would bring this come up. But Carl was president of the association. He's a commercial appraiser. So he was the first commercial appraiser that we had as president uh, of the organization. Carl went on to become president of the State Association, and then he became president of the Appraisal Foundation, which is a nationwide organization. Wow. After that, and I say after, because where else do you go from that standpoint? Yeah. Carl then started going around the world and helping countries implement appraisal standards around the world. I mean, he was teaching classes. Wow and teaching people how to be an appraiser, and he was working with governments trying to help them establish standards, laws, whatever, practices, licensing, whatever it is in their country. I mean, he was all over the world doing this. So that's somebody that, um, you know, from an Atlanta standpoint, you're like, wow, this this man's doing this from Atlanta. That's kind of cool. incredible, yeah. Uh, and he was one of our past presidents. So that's, that's kind of a huge... Um, you know, huge reference when I go and you start asking about it. But there have been so many. I mean, I could go back and name, you know, just president after president that's been leaders of companies. I mean, the, the largest residential association, I mean, uh, real estate companies out there. I mean, they all the leaders have been presidents. Um, historically, uh, our commercial organizations, I mean, again, because going back prior to the formation of the commercial board, we had commercial presidents all through there. So, I mean, anybody and everybody who was prominent in the city, uh, yeah, ha has served in a leadership capacity. Or Ward White, I'm going to go all the way back. Ward served in 1922 and 1940. So Ward in 1940 was the one that hired Tommy. Oh, wow. Ward then, this is, if you go, that's another conference room we have, the White Conference Room. Mm -hmm. um, so Ward had, I want to say five children. Um, two of his sons became president of the Atlanta Board. One of them became president of the State Association. One of his daughters, Alice McDonough, served as the president of the association back in 2004, I believe. So I got the opportunity to work with her. Alice's daughter, White Mixon, also served as a president. She was president in 2011. Oh my gosh. It's a whole dynasty. Alice, <laughs> Alice's sister uh, married a gentleman. Excuse me. Alice's sister had uh, a daughter by the name of Selma. She married Tom Sperlin, 
Tom Sperlin was president in 1999. Wow. So you think about that, it's that one family. You talk about prominent in the history of our association. I mean, Ward White started, and he was kind of Ward White Sr., and then he had, you know, Stuart, Ward White Jr., Alice McDonough, and then White and Tom. I mean, all that came from that family. Yeah. Uh, as presidents and leaders of our organization. So, sorry, I didn't mean to go on the historical no, side there with I that family, it. but that's just kind of a cool story because yeah. you walk into one of our conference rooms named after the White family, you're like, why is this? Well, Absolutely. that's kind of the reason you had so and many presidents come from it. These are the things that I never knew or never thought of, you know, yeah. as I'm running to meetings and, and sitting in those rooms. Yeah, it's just like, you know, that's kind of thing when you're sitting in there and you're like, okay, who are these people? There's some stories. There's some great stories behind those scenes. Absolutely. Behind all of that. Wow. Well, listen, I have really enjoyed sitting here today. Before we kind of finish up, I wanted to ask, is there any last little tidbit or or kind of what you see, you know, that you're excited about in the future for the association? Well, I mean, I'm always, always about the leadership. You, you, you're looking at it from a standpoint of, you know, I look at it and say, okay, who's coming in as our 2023 president, who we're going to get the opportunity to work with. But you start to look down the road and you start to look at the wealth of talent that's coming up. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to that age now where I can say the younger generation, I feel like the old man here. <laughs> uh, but it is kind of cool to see that coming through there. And it, and it just creates that excitement every year. This is, this is a time, you know, when you get into a career and you start doing a job and, you know, everybody's going to go through their ups and downs all the time, but you look at what generates that enthusiasm, that energy, and it's looking at the people. Yeah. It's knowing who the opportunities are that this person could be your president. I could be sitting across from our president and whatever you're Manny, what do you want to do it? We'll, yeah. we'll pick a year <laughs> for you. You know, you, you could, yeah. you know, the opportunities that are there and the enthusiasm and the energy that our members bring to the table. That, I mean, that's what I look at. That's the excitement aspect of it. I mean, our industry, I heard back in 93 when I went to Washington to the NAR convention, there was the famous, we don't have time to go into that, Lions Over the Hill speech, and that's yeah. just something else. But it was all about technology is going to take over the industry and the agents are going to be wiped out. Yeah. And I was told the agents are going to be gone in five years. Then it was five more years. Then it was five more years. And here we are in 22, memberships at an all-time record. Yeah. And it's all about the people. You guys do a phenomenal job in the transactions, and it's all about the people and the relationships you build. And that's what kind of what drives me. That's what drives, you know, it's, and that drives our whole team. All of our staff um, is what drives them is the involvement and the relationships that you can build. So I'm all excited about that and constant. Yeah. I love Never to hear that. Well, you, you've given us an amazing insight into the evolution of this association. I mean, from the licensing to the building and, you know, as you mentioned, most importantly, the people that are going to, that have, have kept us moving forward and are going to keep driving this forward, you know, uh, in our, in our uh, industry. So thank you so much, Reggie. I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to yeah. sit down with us. I know this is a bit out of your comfort zone. Oh, but I, you know, anybody that knows me, this is not what I like to be doing. I like sitting in the back of the room and letting our, our volunteers, you guys are our leaders. Y'all need to have the stage and the spotlight. But I love that, that this, you know, through this platform, this will this information can be conveyed right in a very different yeah. way and and uh, like I said very grateful to have you here yeah. thank I appreciate you so it, man. much thanks for all you're doing I appreciate it absolutely well listen everyone I want to thank you for learning with me today here on the Atlanta Realtors Rundown and until next time it's been a pleasure thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown 
please subscribe. And for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.